Oh my goodness. How's everyone doing? It has been a crazy, crazy couple days. All righty. So this episode, we are going to talk about astral projection. Okay. So astral projection. Oh, let me share this to Facebook simply because it wouldn't allow me to go live on both for some unknown reason. Oh, let me just get everything situated, you guys. I had everything situated, but not no mo. <laughs> not no mo. Okay. My goodness. This is just insanity. Insanity. Let me post this. My goodness, my goodness. All right. There we go. No, 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 no. I don't want to create an event. Okay. Anyhow. Anywho, how are you guys doing? Let us see. You guys, this is just... Anyways, anyways. So, how's everyone doing? Let me get... This totally threw me <laughs> completely off. So I want to ask you guys a question before we start. Give people time to realize that my electronics are acting absolutely obnoxious. <laughs> I want to know how many different organizations have you worked for in your lifetime? How many jobs have you had? And which one was the most unique? I am super curious, what do we spend most of our lives on? Now, once you become of, once you reach, you know, working age, um, that's kind of what rules your life. And if you don't work, then you're kind of seen as, I don't know, lazy, like all of these really negative things. So for most of us, working is what our entire life is really about. You know, we work day in, we work day out, we're exposed to all sorts of different people, all sorts of different environments. And as we're exposed to these things, um, they actually affect the way we process. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. It will affect the way you perceive your life, the way you process the information that your soul is giving you, um, all sorts of different different things that really affect your perception. So please do share. How many different organizations have you worked for in your lifetime? And which one was the most unique? Which one was the most beneficial for you? Which one helped you to learn about yourself the most? I know for me, the most beneficial job I've ever had is this one. 
this one. It has allowed me to really take a good look at myself and begin to see that the way I see myself, the way I see my experiences have greatly been filtered through a lens that were never my own. Oh my gosh. Yes. So a lot of the way I see myself and my life up until a certain point, um, it's really based on how other people saw me. It was based on a lot of these external factors. I remember having jobs where, you know, quite a few of my jobs were as a makeup artist. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I love makeup. What? <laughs> um, quite a few of my jobs were as a makeup artist. And it was this thing of me realizing years later that the reason I excelled as a makeup artist was because at that point in my life, and I'm not bashing anyone who's into makeup or is, is a makeup artist. Um, I'm talking specifically about me. At that point in my life, when I was a makeup artist, I was very interested in wearing a mask, not letting people see who I am, not letting people know the real me, because really, the real me had things that experiences, abilities that were just not okay for most people. So let's see. Charlie says, oops, there. I've worked for eight organizations, refused to apply for a new job in a BS system. Tomorrow I start my new job, completely self-employed. Ooh, nice. I love that. I love that. Oh, and then I love this as well. Favorite of all was the first as an ice cream lady. Saw so many people smile in that job. Isn't it a beautiful thing as an empath when you're immersed in an environment that really helps you to experience people in their most happiest, most positive state? Like there's something so healing for that, that type of experience. That was another reason I really loved makeup is because I could create a mask for someone outside of me that they can wear literally on their face so they could see the, the, the way I see them as a beautiful, beautiful person. And it was one of the most rewarding things. But again, my most rewarding job ever is the one I have right now. I am immersed in an environment of like mind, like hearted people. It's beautiful. Catherine says, six organizational, but 19 years for the local government. My readings for others I love the most. Oh, I love that. What do you love the most about reading for people, Catherine? Sherry says, 42 years total working. Wow. 14 jobs, anywhere from a floral shop, factory worker to an office position. Sherry, what was your favorite? I think I would love to work in a floral shop, you know, being just present with all of these beautiful flowers. Oh, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Um, let's see. Moonrock says, I've worked for two so far. I like my first job because it helped me overcome my anxiety. It forced me to talk to people. Before that job, I couldn't go up to people and ask them anything. 
Ooh, love it. I got goosebumps. <laughs> I got goosebumps reading that. It's funny how our job can sometimes be the very thing that forces us to allow aspects of ourselves out. Um, that's what the makeup artist job did for me. Uh, it kind of put me in a position of some type of authority. It was weird because the, the, my clients would listen to me and, you know, really respect my opinions on makeup and how to apply it. And, and that kind of forced me to step further into this space of, I might know more than I give myself credit for. So maybe I should just speak openly, you know? Um, I love this. I love this. Ocean Lover says, all positions, organizations have ultimately helped to grow different parts of me. I'm currently in my most aligned, most loved organization. Oh, I love that. Um, Dolphin Dreams says, over 20 worked for a writing academy. I worked with animals and children, but as an artist today, constant creator, I am most satisfied all around. Ooh, mm, I love it. When we have a very satisfying life, we begin to be more comfortable in processing all of the different things, the different aspects of ourselves. And what ends up happening is we have less and less to process uh, subconsciously, okay? So this brings us to today's episode. Soul Sanctuary podcast, today's episode, episode 15, is about astral projection. Excuse me. Astral projection is... It's a kind of iffy topic, okay? I'm going to be honest. It's a little bit of an iffy topic. If you are in a spiritual community, it's not uncommon for a lot of people to um, speak fondly of astral projection, <clears throat> excuse me, make it their goal to astrally project. I have come across people who they they love to share with others, <laughs> how they, you know, have dates with their twin flame on the astral plane, they astrally project, and they have astral dates. Um, what do you guys think astral projection is? What is your concept of it? What do you believe it to be? Um, let me just find what I'm looking for really quick. Okay. So this is it. Come on. There you go. Let me take some of this off the screen. Alrighty. So astral travel, astral projection. There's so many ways to put it. So many different terms that basically are talking about the exact same thing. What exactly is this astral projection, astral travel thing? Astral travel is otherwise known as out-of-body experience, O-B-E. It's when the consciousness is fractionated and a part of it travels beyond the confines of the physical body, okay? So your physical body basically goes into some type of dormant state 
Uh, oftentimes it will be perceived by the individual as though they have gone to sleep. Okay. So, you know, it sounds like a very benign thing might be something very cool. Um, but we don't really know, do we? The reality is so many people have experienced out-of-body experiences, OBEs. Um, it's a rather common thing. It's a rather common thing. Most people are now going through some type of ascension cycle. And as we go through these ascension cycles, uh, our frequency changes. It becomes modulated to oscillate at a higher frequency for most, not all, but for most. And as you reach higher levels of frequency, you become more and more able to fractionate portions of your consciousness and travel outside of body, okay? Um, an out-of-body experience can be something as benign as a sense of daydreaming, feeling like you're stuck, you know, just staring, just staring out. You don't know why you're staring. <laughs> and people ask you, like, what are you staring at? You don't know. Most of the time, you can't even really answer. That's a type of astral travel. It's not as deep of a travel as when you're asleep, but it is still a type of astral travel, okay? For most people, they don't realize that when they go into these very deep staring um, episodes, they're actually fractionating their consciousness and they're observing something else. How many of you... Think of when you've had these episodes where you just stare. Neurodivergent people have a tendency to do this more than neurotypical people. How many of you get the sense of another image overlaid on whatever it is you're staring at? Like your thoughts become projected outside of you. You become aware of maybe something that's happened in the past maybe a projection of something that is a potentiality for the future. Uh, maybe you're just quote unquote imagining, you know, air quotes, imagining that you're somewhere else, um, you know, all sorts of different things. I, <laughs> ocean lover says all my life. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people do this, especially neurodivergent people. So, a lot of the times when I have astral travel, usually it will be while I'm wide awake. I am wide awake when I stop blinking, because that's one of my indicators. When I stop blinking and I get very quiet and I stop responding to external stimuli, someone else is in the room, they're trying to talk to me, I'm not responding anymore. Yeah. I'm somewhere else. <laughs> I'm literally somewhere else. I'm just like, I'm seeing things play out either in advance of what's going to happen or uh, like, and sometimes when I say in advance, it could be a few minutes ahead of time. It could be a couple of weeks ahead of time, a couple months, a couple years. Um, for example, most recently uh, I was at this, I was at this farmhouse and um, like I was just, I was standing in the kitchen and then my eyes just glazed over and, and I was washing dishes and I'm just like, oh, oh, I'm going to live here. <laughs> I'm going to live here. 
And it was this clear storyline of I'm washing dishes. I got to hurry up. Sessions are going to start. I have to go into my office. The kids are in the back and they're playing with the go-karts and husband comes into the the kitchen like, hey, you got to hurry up. Your session's starting. I'm like, I'm going to live here. (laughs) I'm going to live here. And I look just like myself now. So I was like, I'm going to live here soon. And I just know I'm going to live there. I just know. Um, Other times it's been this thing of, uh, I would say like a couple days in advance. And um, I see this whole storyline play out. And I'm just like, oh, am I just imagining that? And then it plays out. I don't have deja vu. I have astral travel. I have out-of-body experiences that allow me to experience either future or past events in that moment, overlaid, superimposed on the moment I'm currently in. Another time, um, see, people think that I'm like, uh, like spirits are telling me all of the, no, no, nothing's telling me anything. I have conversations with Michael, but he's not actually the one telling me the information. This information, I'm watching it play out. I remember years ago, I had a, a, a astral travel moment. I was wide awake. Uh, my husband was at work. His father was going to go to the airport after work ended. And he wanted to go see his dad off. His dad was going to be gone for a, f- a few months, I think it was. So he wanted to go to the airport as well to kind of just see his dad off before he heads home. So sometime in the middle of the morning, my husband was already at work. I was like, you can't go to the airport. You have to just come straight home. And he's like, of course, he's not going to listen to me because, you know, that was way, way, way years ago, years ago. So he decided not to listen to me. I told him, you're going to get into a car accident because I saw it. I saw like a mattress or something in the middle of a two lane road, winding two lane road. Uh, in the middle of traffic, and he did not see it. And at the time, he was driving a very lowered vehicle. So I saw him hit the mattress, and then he swerved, and he rolled the car, and then it slammed into a tree. And I was like, you're going to die. And he he didn't want to believe me. I was like, fine, that's up to you. And he decided to go with his dad to the airport, which, you know, I, I get it. I get it. Um, But because I had said that, he did see the mattress, but he still hit it, except he didn't flip the car and then slam into a tree. Um, Instead, it just ripped the lip off of his front end. (laughs) But I did see it. And he he comes home and, and he's carrying the lip to his front bumper. And he's like, you are right. And I was like, I didn't make up the story. You know, I, that's what I saw. I saw it play out like a movie. So sometimes that's what astral travel can be. Um, most times, for most people, they're not going to astrally travel when they're, um, when they're uh, awake in that way. Like how I just described, I, I was wide awake and I was just astrally traveling. Most people will be asleep, okay? 
just because it's a lot easier. There's less resistance from what I call the monkey mind. That's like the, the lower aspects of the human mind. So when we talk about astral travel, we don't really know where it is we're going, right? We, we don't know. We think we're going somewhere amazing and depending on how it's presented to us, uh, we might think that it is just the most powerful, most amazing, most spiritually evolved place ever. Um, if we look at this graphic I created for one of my classes, this is a representation of our 15-dimensional time-space matrix. This is everyone's auric field. Now, granted, your auric field does not look like this, where everything is perfectly nested in each other and at the perfect equal ratios. No, <laughs> that's not how it looks. Depending on your current state of mind, your emotions, energetic health, the environment you're in, cognitive dissonance, molecular compaction, so many different factors. Uh, that's what's going to determine which frequency level, which dimensional level uh, is going to be the most dominant in your field. Most people will look at my field um, and they'll see like a fuchsia type color, like a pinkish uh pale pinkish, or they'll see a teal mixed with all sorts of different pinks. <clears throat> That's because it's higher frequency. Now, if we look, it's stacked. Dimension one, dimension two, dimension three, dimension four, they all stack together. Now, we're in 3D. We are in physical form. Whenever you are in physical form, you are third dimensional. That does not matter what your consciousness is at, what level you think you're at. No. When you are in physical body, you are 3D. That's just that. There's no ifs, ands, buts, debates, or anything like that. When you are in physical body, you are third dimension. Now, being in physical body creates a lot of resistance. There's a lot of flesh, a lot of density that energy and consciousness has to go through. So it creates a lot of um, resistance to different types of experiences. One of the greatest levels of resistance or contributors to resistance is childhood societal familial programming. When you are told you're not allowed to be different, when you are programmed to believe that uh, having abilities is evil, that creates massive resistance. And you're less likely to experience <clears throat> the gravity of your gifts to the degree that you're intended to. When you go to sleep, that resistance has a tendency to greatly minimize. It goes way, way down. If you can preoccupy your human mind, the monkey aspect of your mind, the resistance is greatly reduced and you can flow way more energy. So for example, I'm completely incapable of meditating for myself. I can lead one heck of a meditation, like legit lead one heck of a meditation. But for me to meditate by myself, that's impossible. I just, no. That's not going to happen. 
if you're going to ask me to sit there in a lotus position, I can sit in full lotus. I'm flexible, but I can't quiet my mind. That thing's going to keep going. It's going to keep going. And I'm going to spend an hour or two, however long I'm trying to meditate. I'm going to spend that entire time frustrated with myself. Just absolutely um, ridiculously frustrated. I won't do anything with it. Now, if you get me on an elliptical, you know, the machine where, you you know, it's kind of like uh, you have those two pads that go under each foot and you run with it because <laughs> it's low impact, right? So if you get me on elliptical and you put some of my most favorite songs on earbuds and play it full blast and have me run full speed sprinting uh, while my eyes are closed and I'm holding onto the bar so I don't fall. Um, yeah, I can absolutely meditate. My monkey mind is preoccupied to the degree that it can't create resistance. Okay. So if you can suspend some of that resistance that naturally exists because of our human bodies, the way we were designed as humans, you can do quite a bit. You can probably astral travel. Where do you go when you go astral? You go fourth dimensional. Now, one of the things about being in the fourth dimension, well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Let's go to the next slide. I'll tell you guys all about that. So some of the symptoms you're going astral. Uh, for some people, it's a sense of feeling lighter and lifting up and out of your body. For some, if you're standing, um, it's kind of like this essence of you kind of separating. When you start to stare, do you feel very physical or do you kind of just, it's like your senses become suspended. You feel mildly stretched out. Just really think about when you go into these staring episodes, you are stretching your consciousness and creating a separation from your physical body and the resistance created by your human mind. You have several types of consciousness. You have the human consciousness, which, you know, tends to want to be logical, needs to be tangible. You need to be able to explain and understand and accept. And then you have other types, which are higher and, you know, it's kind of more soul-based where you don't necessarily have to understand. You just have a sense of knowing, a feeling, this gut instinct, instinct, uh, an intuitive sense and that's some of the higher types of consciousness that you naturally already have. This is not something you have to work towards. You naturally already have this. So number two, dreams of being taken somewhere else or to some other time. Have you had dreams that are so super de duper real and you're like, whoa, what's actually happening? What's going on? It feels so real, like real. Um, one of the best ways to tell if you are astral traveling when, um, when you're sleeping, first and foremost, are you, are you dreaming in color, like full vivid colors, or is it like black and white, this monochromatic type of gradient? Are you watching a black and white show? Like I, I, if I dream in, in color, I know and it feels real, I know. <laughs> I'm not dreaming. I fractionated my consciousness. I'm somewhere else. I'm doing something else somewhere else, 
possibly in a different time. Okay. So a sudden awareness of a feeling of floating above or slightly separate from your physical body right before you're dropped into it. How many of us have had this dream where suddenly you fall and you feel yourself thud into your body? And you're like, whoa, that felt so real. You got dropped in your body. (laughs) There was some type of stimuli while you were sleeping and it registered as some type of threat, might be a low-grade threat, you know, who knows? And so you were tugged, the string was tugged and you were yanked back into the body so that you could be fully present, fully integrated to defend yourself or to evade whatever it is. So the inability to move or communicate for several minutes after dropping back in, you know what that is? You know why you can't move? People are like, oh my God, that's sleep paralysis. Yeah. Your consciousness hasn't fully reintegrated back into the physical body. It's like you're in the car, but you haven't turned it on yet. So you can't actually steer and use the gas or brake pedal. You have to turn it on first. It has to integrate. You have to give it a second. You have to give yourself a second to put on your seatbelt, to get comfortable, adjust the mirrors, whatever it is. That's the same thing with a physical body. There is an integration period. If you are not disturbed while you are traveling, that integration period is not noticed because you're not being yanked and suddenly jostled back into your body and jostled awake. No, there's an integration period that always exists where the consciousness needs to first have a moment to integrate back into the body. Now, remember I was saying the human mind creates the greatest amount of resistance. Now, when you get jostled, when you get startled and shoved back into your body, what happens? Fear takes over. Fear is one of the greatest resistors ever. It creates so much density, so much to fight against for that energy, for that consciousness to integrate. And so as you sit there tensed, what would have taken maybe three seconds to integrate is now taking a few minutes. And the more you relax, the more faster you will integrate and the experience will not be as severe. For many of us, those of us who experience sleep paralysis, and this is just my speculation after working with thousands of clients, literally thousands, um, the greater amount of fear, if you are a person who is driven by fear, you exist in a state of constant perpetual fear, you will have more sleep paralysis experiences than someone who just flows. Someone who experiences new events with curiosity. You will have much more sleep paralysis experiences. Because someone who um, has less fear, they're not going to fight the integration as much. There's not going to be as much resistance. And you won't experience that paralysis. Um, I want to say the last time I experienced sleep paralysis was 2014. And that was the end of my fear. 
because after that I was pissed. <laughs> I would rather exist in a state of controlled anger than in a state of fear. I would much rather. I don't have to take that anger out on people, but to switch from being in fear into a state of anger, ready to um, have a response, a powerful response to something, to a threat, uh, that's much more productive for me. I, I can't tell you what to do, but I know for me, it definitely worked a lot better that way. So since then, I haven't had sleep paralysis. Uh, there have been many times where I felt myself reintegrating back into my body. I'm just like, do, 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 hurry up. I got to wake up. <laughs> and then I open my eyes. Crazy, right? I don't have sleep paralysis anymore. So number five, inability to remember details uh, of the dream that you had before you dropped into your body, despite it feeling very intense and very real. Now, for most people, when you go full astral, you are connected by a, a divine thread to your body. That's what gets tugged and you get yanked back in the body, right? Uh, if your consciousness is not in the physical body, it's experiencing things, but it's not going to register those experiences in your human brain. If the experience is not registered in the human brain, how is the human brain going to remember it? Now, think of when you have very intense dreams. I'm not talking about sleep paralysis. I'm talking about very intense dreams. How long can you remember that very intense dream before the details completely go away? Like five minutes after waking up, three minutes, how long? Because I know many of us experience that where we will have very intense dreams and then maybe two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, we can't remember it anymore. That's how long it's taking for your body to fully reintegrate with your consciousness. Yeah. In the time you remember the dream, the details of the dream, you are processing through your spiritual etheric mind, not your human. No. The more you integrate into your physical body, the more the human mind is what's being used to process. And the less you are going to remember. Your soul will not forget. The human brain has no idea what happened. None. No idea at all. Okay. Um, yeah, see, Annie. Annie says, I used to panic when in sleep paralysis. Came to a point when I stopped fighting it and relaxed into it, experiencing it less now. Yep. Absolutely. That's what I've realized for myself as well. Dolphin Dream says, not very long at all in regards to how long um, they can remember their dreams. Alexandra remembers the dream details for about three minutes. Yep, for about three minutes. Yeah. Um, so Ocean Lover says, it helps me to keep a pen and pad by the bed. So you guys can definitely do that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. The only thing that I'd like you to kind of be aware of, if you are meant to remember it, if you do remember it, that's something you need to apply to your life very soon. If you don't remember it, that's not something you need to remember. Every time I have lost my memory of something, every time I've lost my memory of a dream, 
I used to worry about that. Like, oh my gosh, I need to know. I need to know. And I would stress myself out. And then I began to realize the details of that dream, the information in that dream, it comes back to me when I need the information. For many of you, you probably notice when I'm trying to recall information, I'll be like, or you'll see me stare beyond the camera. That's me retrieving the information. I don't know where it's stored. Stored somewhere. <laughs> and it just comes back to me. So I've learned to not try and control that as much. And I've had less sleep paralysis, less stress. Um, I did used to keep pen and paper beside me in, in, in bed. I used to keep it on my nightstand. Um, I also, for a period, um, I was utilizing the voice recorder on my phone. And so I would wake up and it would be garbled type of conversation I'm having, um, explaining details and whatnot. Now, when I would listen to it later, it would scare the crap out of me. It would scare the crap out of me and that would create tremendous amount of resistance. So when it's time for me to do that, uh, when it's time for me to apply that information is what I mean, uh, I'm too afraid. I'm just, I'm too afraid. And it greatly affects my process. And again, not saying anyone is wrong or any technique um, is superior over another, just kind of sharing I did go through that. I wanted to know the information, but I realized for me personally, that came from a place of wanting and needing to control. And my soul did not want me to control anything. My soul wanted me to be fully present when I went through the experience. So I took it after a period of time as, um, it's kind of like my soul is giving me cliff notes to some event that I will go through. Uh, to begin the process of emotionally preparing me to experience the event. So, you know, it's up to you guys. Try both out. See, see, if, um, see if one works better than the other. Or maybe you have a different type of technique, uh, a technique that's more effective for you. We are all so different. It's like there's no way only one technique, one approach will help everyone. <laughs> there is just no way, no way, no way, no way. Um, I'm being told to share with you guys. When I write down the details, when I used to, um, and when I would record myself and access that information when I wasn't ready to access it, uh, what would end up happening is it would create fear and it would drop my resting frequency and leave me more susceptible to parasitic attack. Another thing that I'm being asked to share is I came to the realization when I cannot remember what I did in my sleep, what I dreamed of, that is to protect me. That is confidential information. That requires a security clearance that my human brain is incapable of. <laughs> um, the human mind can be hacked. I don't know if you're aware of that. Do me, do me this favor. When this live stream is done, I want you to silently think about something very, very intensely. For example, it could be like, 
brownies, <laughs> brownies, 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 brownies. And just think it for a few minutes. Just keep saying it, seeing it, you know, allowing yourself to kind of remember the smell of brownies, whatever it is. Okay. Try and use as many of your senses to recall that thing. <clears throat> if you think about a leather wallet, remember the smell of leather, the feel of it, the weight of it, all of that. Do that for a few minutes <clears throat> and then go on social media or browse online. Tell me what kind of ads you have. Tell me what kind of ads pop up on your Google, on your Facebook, what type of ads on your Instagram. Just let me know. Okay. The human brain can be hacked. It's already been being hacked for quite a few years. That's what all this tech is. It's trying ever so imperceptibly <laughs> to integrate with your divine consciousness. And uh, as the years go by, more and more I see, I'm not supposed to remember things. That's okay. <laughs> and I'm okay with it. <laughs> Because I promise you, when I need that information, instantly it's there. And it's too late to try and hack that information from my brain. I know it sounds all kooky and stuff, but literally, try that experiment. I know, I, I, I never talked about this before. Simply because it sounds crazy, right? But I mean, it's not. I, there was some type of article where something about Mark Zuckerberg... Uh, <laughs> Some of my Facebook friends have a different name for him. I almost said the other name, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, <clears throat> something about he was stuck in the metaverse, like physically stuck in the metaverse for a few hours because he was trying out a new, uh, I don't know, new technology or something, right? Trying to experience the physical experience of being in a metaverse. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I'm not into technology. I just, I read that somewhere and I was like, oh, that sucks that he was able to come back out. <laughs> he should have just stayed in there. Stay in there. That's your place. That's the, your people. Stay in there. <laughs> but he was able to be helped to come right back out. <laughs> Let me stop my sarcasm. All right. So going back, the symptoms. We finished the symptoms <laughs> now that I've gotten a chance to talk some caca. <laughs> so the dangers of mm -hmm, Charlie, <laughs> Charlie, you my friend on Facebook. <laughs> we probably have the same friends. Anyways, I will stop. All right. So dangers of astral travel. It's so important for you to spiritual for your spiritual and energetic health to always be mindful of who and what you interact with while traveling through the 4D. Fourth dimension is where you go when you astrally travel. Parasites are very well versed in mimicry. What some see as a beautiful angelic being is not always so. What information is given to the individual as an absolute truth may be the furthest thing from it. So the three main things of the dangers of travel, parasitic interference or attack, mimicry, corrupted information download. Those are the three main things. There's a whole bunch of other things that are a little too PG-13 rated R <laughs> that I don't want to go into. 
Okay. Um, with, okay. I didn't want to go into it. Uh, you, you can be, um, it's a touchy topic. Um, you can be violated on the 4D. Like, you know, you can be violated. I've known quite a few people who have been. Um, you got to be very careful, okay? You just, you got to be very, very careful. Uh, it's a very difficult topic to talk about, to bring up. Um, I haven't been, but it's something I, I really want to be mindful of the people who have very quietly, very privately suffered and struggled through that experience and the memories of it. There's a lot of really bad things that can happen. Okay, I'm being very serious right now. A lot of really bad things. There's positive as well as negative. As far as you can go into the positive, you can absolutely go into the negative. That's the balance. Okay. That's what balance actually is. So um, <clears throat> with a parasitic interference or attack, um, some of the things that I know other people have experienced um, being taken to other places. There's this place that some people are taken to. <clears throat> when they go astral travel, they can go through, it's almost like a, almost like a river, but it's in the sky. It's almost like a river. And then you can overlook a big lake, but that lake is not a good lake. And then there's a, um, a, a beautiful palace right by it. It looks something almost out of uh, um, like some fairy tale because it's a castle, right? And then you're taken into the castle and it's not so nice. Uh, it's somewhere that's very dark, very like dingy, dungeony sense to it. And there's a huge, huge fireplace huge enough for people to walk in, uh, standing straight up. It's almost like the size of a bedroom. Okay. That's the size of the fireplace. This is not a good place to be. Not a good place to be. And the being that owns that realm within the 4D, uh, is not a good being <laughs> at all. Very, very bad being very, very bad. And wouldn't you know, that very, very bad being is quite possibly the most attractive person you've ever seen. The most attractive person you've ever seen. And they speak with such refinement, like whatever it is you're attracted to, that is how they will present themselves. They are the master manipulator, master at mimicry. You gotta be careful. You just gotta be careful. These things have been watching for some time. I don't want you to exist in a place of fear, but these are things we have to be aware of if we are going to explore astral travel, out-of-body experience. I'm not saying be afraid. I'm saying be aware, okay? Be aware. So if you're experiencing any of these things and you become afraid, what should you do? Remember, I told you, you have a strength. Tug on the string, you'll get yanked right back into your body like a yo-yo. It's the yo-yo method. <laughs> Just like that, the yo-yo comes right back up, okay? 
it comes right back to your body. So all you got to do, tug the string, just, just like that. And you'll get tugged right back into your body. You probably drop into your body. Uh, you probably, if, if you're fear filled, uh, you'll probably have some sleep paralysis as you wake up and integrate. Um, but you know, as you get more comfortable, that's not going to be such a big deal. Okay. You, it, you're just going to wake up. Uh, one of the things that I do is I just say home. You guys have, um, well, I don't know if you have, but there are live streams where I've done, um, past life readings. Um, and when I do a past life reading, it, it's different than other types of readings because I'm not just viewing it like a movie. I'm actually fractionating my consciousness and I'm existing in the same body that you were in during that lifetime, kind of like in some ways a walk-in. So whatever's happening to your physical body during that lifetime, I am experiencing it tangibly, physically. Uh, it's not uncommon if I do a past life reading for someone and, um, they've been physically harmed in that, in that reading, um, that I'll have like welts where they were harmed. Uh, it's just this weird thing. That's why I don't like to do, um, past life expedites too often. It's very taxing on me, uh, my emotions, my body. Um, and with that, I, now I just forgot what I was talking about. Oh, the mimicry. Um, sometimes other things will have access to some of your memories because it's been watching you as you sleep and process. And it will mimic these important individuals in your life. If during your waking time, you've been, um, Here's a very important one. So many people for so long now, at least a few years, it's been the hot thing. Um, they want to be able to talk to Michael. They want to connect with Michael. Yo, there is a legit Michael mimic. I call him Melty Face Mikey. Why? Well, I when I run Godfire through his field, his face melts because it's a mask. It's a plastic. And so his face will melt. I call him Melty Face Mikey. A lot of the people who are quote unquote channeling Michael's messages, they're channeling a Michael, but I don't know who that Michael is because it's a mimic. Archangel Michael is not the mouthpiece of God. Is <laughs> not. Uh, he wasn't created to speak God's words into existence. No, he's the head janitor. He's the cleanup crew. That's what Archangel Michael is. When things get out of hand, he gets unleashed on civilizations, regions, um, whatever it is, and he deconstructs it. He's the right hand of God, the destruction. He is the destroyer. That's his role. And a lot of people don't realize that. Why would something that was created to deconstruct in order to open up a potentiality for reconstruction, uh, why would he serve as a mouthpiece? Why would he be speaking to us as though we are his children? He wouldn't. Ever. Ever. I've come across too many people who claim to speak to Archangel Michael, which they truly believe it, um, and they believe that Archangel Michael is telling them to harm other people. No, 
Michael only deconstructs what creator has commanded him to deconstruct. That literally, he doesn't just start demolishing things. No. When he is given a command from creator, that is what he does. Until he is given a command, he does absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. That's how he is programmed. So we have to be very careful about these people we're listening to and uh, they're downloading information and giving you information. Where is this coming from? I can tell you exactly where your information is coming from that I'm giving you. Your higher self is telling me. Your higher self is showing me your personal Akashic records. I'm seeing it from this volume of this bookcase. Moonrock. <laughs> Why would an angel tell you to harm someone anyway? Well, from my experience, the people who are being told by Archangel Michael um, to harm someone, they're being instructed to harm me because I'm wicked. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense. So how did that work out for you? <laughs> You're being told to harm me, yet you can't. How did that work out for you? What's that tell you? What's that tell you? <laughs> you know, it just it doesn't make sense. Um, it doesn't make sense to me because he's never told me to harm anyone. And the instances where someone is being uh, being very harmful to me intentionally, and I'm very upset, and I'm like, oh, I should, blah, blah, blah. The only thing that Michael ever says is, should you? Is that what you should do? Is, is that what you're going to do? And usually that's enough for me to be like, okay, no, no, I should not do that. It is not nice. It is not necessary. So you guys just have to think about this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Why is there such a lag? If you would like to experience an out of body experience, astral travel, um, there are some tips that I can give you. Okay. Would you guys like the tips? Let me just, and, um, really quick. If you would like to be part of the conversation I will be having with my members, the members of my, um, ministry, uh, they have access to a very, very private space within my online ministry. And we're going to have a very in-depth conversation in about 45 minutes. Um, you can find, you can join by going to the soul sanctuary.love. You can join whatever tier doesn't matter. And you'll be able to participate in that immediately. So in 45 minutes, you still have time. You still have time to join. So in that group, I'm going to go over some techniques on how to actually travel. Um, but yes, chakra health. So you can be best supported when your chakras are functioning at their prime. Oh, thank you, Moonrock. Let me, let me put that on the screen. There. Yes. Thank you, Moonrock. Um, so you want to make sure that there's no blockages in your chakras, no pooling, no injuries. Um, you know, that's one of the best ways to allow your energy and consciousness to flow freely. 
Okay. Clothing selection. Uh, you want to wear clothes that are very comfortable. Okay. Nothing too baggy, nothing too tight, something that's just comfortable, comfortable, something that you can move around. And for some people, um, before they go full astral, they move around quite a bit. And then when they go full astral, their body has a tendency to not move at all. Just breathe and that's it. Okay. So the clothing selection is, is also pretty important. Um, it's best to try <clears throat> when your body is already tired. Okay. Uh, when your body is already tired, there's less resistance. So you can begin trying it when you're about to go to sleep. Okay. Um, do I recommend that? Not really. <laughs> Not really. Uh, I'll tell you why. When you're exhausted to that degree, oftentimes your mind, as you fall asleep, will begin to start the process of sifting through all the negative things you didn't get to process during the day. All of the disturbing, upsetting things, that's what your mind is tasked to process while you sleep. What does that mean? Well, that means you're going to be in a negative frame of mind when you go astral. Like for like. If you are vibrating at a more negative type of mindset, you will have a more negative type experience. Not always, but like for like. Okay? Uh, soundscape. So you can try binaural beats. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You have to be careful though of who you're listening to. Uh, if they are infested with a specific type of parasitic infestation, which is 2M uh, or 3M, the human ears are designed to bypass your auric shield. If they are infested and they are creating digital work, uh, something that is audible, something that is visual, you can hear it or see it. Your eyes and your ears are designed to bypass your auric shield to pull in that information. If they're infected, that infection piggybacks on the tonal information. It will enter your field. Again, not trying to scare you. That's just trying to keep you aware, you know? <clears throat> Is there someone that I recommend? Not really. Not really. Um, I don't listen to binaural beats anymore. <laughs> but you can if you want. Uh, I, I had an experience where, because for a while I was listening to binaural beats while I sleep. And I had an experience where I put on a new artist. <laughs> and when I entered into that sweet spot of just about to fall deeply asleep, but I'm still cognitively aware, uh, I became aware of something uh, grinding on the outside of my shield. And instantly I looked at what it was. And it was something that it was like a rotary type tool trying to bore into my outermost auric shield. Uh, and I was just like, is that from the music? 
And Michael's like, are you going to do something about that? Well, I want to know, is that from the music? <laughs> and it, it became this five minutes of, are you going to do something about it? But I want to know, is it from the music first? Answer me first. It was from the music. It was from the music. It, it didn't get in my field, but yeah. So at that point, I stopped just randomly listening to people. I have to resonate with you to the highest degree um, for me to allow myself to be in a susceptible position like that, a very vulnerable position where you and your energy can try to have its way with me. Try. Emphasis on try. Promise you I'm not going to let you be successful, but try. I don't even like when things try. So, you know, for people who are like, yeah, I would totally kick its butt and this and that. No, that's, that's part of the fallacy to keep you in that hamster wheel. I don't even want you to try to access me. I don't need to prove that I can defend myself. I know I can. I don't even want to try to let you have access in any way, shape or form. Shift your perception to that. Okay. So you could do soundscape. Um, you could do a type of release where you just really focus on letting go of trying to control the experience. <clears throat> it's going to be uncomfortable for most of us. Um, for most of us, we struggle with control for most of us. And that struggling with control tends to not have anything to do with trying to control other people. It has to do with protection, with making sure that, um, you know, quote unquote, bad things don't happen to you. It's a fear-based thing, okay? It's, it stems from your feeling of being absolutely not in control. So um, <clears throat> let's see. There we go. Let me assistive crystals. If you're into crystals, awesome. If you're not into crystals, you probably want to tune out. <laughs> I'm just saying, not everyone has to be into crystals. So blue calcite, it's a powerful, powerful stone, very high frequency. It can greatly assist you. Okay. It helps to relax. It helps to, um, flow your energy. It helps to surround you with, extremely high frequency and, and calling your guides, angelic guides and things like that. I don't work too much with angelic guides, um, mimics. I just don't like to take the chance that it's a mimic. I mean, you guys have seen me and heard me half the time. I don't even listen to Michael and he never leaves my side, literally never leaves me. I don't know how he could be mimicked when I'm always questioning him. Like literally he says something and I don't want to do it. Set him on fire. I know it's him, but you know, got to make sure he goes, no, you don't want to make sure you just want to burn me. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but I like to make sure that my information is coming from the highest level of divinity possible. Uh, guides, guardians, angelics, they can be mimicked, including Michael. He's the most heavily mimicked being, the most heavily mimicked being. Ametrine. I love Ametrine. It provides you with a willingness to want to astral project, more desire to push yourself into the spirit realm. Um, and it'll help you to give a greater understanding of the concept of life. 
Okay. Ametrine. And if you guys are looking for crystals, I have the most amazing crystal person. Um, let me put the link. Hold on. Uh, there we go. This person has the most, literally most amazing crystals. So hoarders. Crystal.hoarders.one. You just go there. Go there and they they got a lot of good stuff. A lot of good jujus. Uh, how many times have you barbecued? Oh, Michael? Daily. <laughs> daily. It's a daily thing with us. He has a nice tan at this point. <laughs> Iolite. Um, Iolite will help you to improve your memory, right? Some of the metaphysical properties of Iolite. It helps you improve your memory so that way you can recall what you experienced while you were actually traveling. Tourmaline. I love tourmaline. Um, <clears throat> so with tourmaline, it helps you to enter into a more positive state and to protect yourself. Okay. Black tourmaline is very protective. Very, very protective. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you're more comfortable with astral traveling, um, one of the things that is amazing is watermelon tourmaline. Watermelon tourmaline is amazing if you're already comfortable. Very heart-based, high frequency. Excuse me. All right. Number five, quartz. It helps to enhance the abilities you already have. <clears throat> that quartz, crystal quartz, uh, and it can be programmed rather easily. It can help to boost your energy, um, all sorts of different, different benefits to it. Uh, one of my most favorite types of crystal quartz <clears throat> is a Herkimer diamond. What? I love Herkimer diamonds. Herkies. Labradorite. This is said to be one of the most powerfully protective crystals, Labradorite. Um, it's typically worn on the chest or the breastplate of a high priest or priestess. Um, it's a very beautiful, especially if it has a lot of flash to it. Mm, it's just blinging. Crystal Hoarders has some amazing, amazing Labradorite. I'm just, I'm saying guys, I'm saying, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm saying <laughs> it's amazing. I love Labradorite. Um, <clears throat> fluorite. Fluorite, especially if you get um, the one with the three colors, the blue, the green, and the purple. Um, I forget what it's called. Uh, it Not only is it very, very pretty, it gives off this beautiful, very, very pure aura. It helps the throat. It helps the heart space. It helps the crown. All of these upper chakra functions that, um, you know, you kind of need to cleanse that area. Fluoride is good for that. Um, it will really, really help with travel. The next one, Moldavite. Yo. <laughs> Yo. Moldavite is intense. Be careful. Be careful with Moldavite. <laughs> that is all I'm going to say. 
be careful with Moldavite. You you take Moldavite at your own risk. Don't come to me later and be like, Emmy, I messed up Moldavite. I used Moldavite. I'm going to be like, see, I, did I tell you? I told you, right? Did I not tell you? I did tell you. <laughs> I I did tell you. I told you. Uh, <laughs> Moldavite is one hell of a stone. <laughs> Excuse me, Angelite. Um, Angelite is very high frequency. It's said to help um, protect you from entities that try and drain you. It calls in angels and things like that. Um, <clears throat> positive type angels. Here, okay, guys, people are like, oh, I work with angels. Oh, no, I'm a demon slayer. Okay, demons are angels too. <laughs> they're dark angels. They work in the shadow realm, but they're still angel. No, I mean, they're fallen angels. Yeah, that's my point exactly. They're angelics who fell, but they're still angelics. <laughs> right? They're still angelics. So just be careful. Be careful. Uh, fade in crystals. Mm -hmm. It helps you to gain a better, stronger connection between your physical body and the spirit body, especially when you're astral projecting. <clears throat> Amethyst, you know, that's just a go-to. Amethyst is said to have helped people to become sober. Um, they used to make goblets out of amethyst in olden times because it would protect you from becoming drunk. Um, amethyst is a really protective stone. It helps to induce an out-of-body experience, helps you to relax, helps to protect you. Just a lot of benefits of amethyst. A lot of benefits of amethyst. Um, it's also one of the primary stones on the high priest or priestess breastplate. Astrophilite. I love astrophilite. When using similar stones and methods in natural projection, it's easy to develop certain patterns. These patterns may prevent you from realizing your full potential once you have access to the spirit world. Astrophilite breaks down the monotony, making you more perceptive sensitive and intuitive to what's around you. It helps you to notice more, especially if you have like the, the, um, I think they're called sprays, those lines through it. Mm, love that stuff. Galaxite. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. Galaxite will cleanse and protect your aura from impure energy, as well as enable you to contact other beings. If that's what you want to do. Uh, you got to be careful when you contact things. And yo, you guys, I got to say this. I got to say this for the people who are like, oh, no, I'm safe. I only meet my twin flame. <laughs> I only meet with my twin flame and the astral realm. Baby boo. That's one of the easiest things to mimic. It is literally one of the easiest things to mimic a twin flame. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, be careful, be careful. Don't allow yourself to fall into these different patterns that cause you to be in situations that you really do not need to be in, you know, you, you really don't need to be in the, those situations. So I want to take some questions, guys, before I hop over to my private ministry area, 
I want to take some questions for you guys. Um, what do you want to know about astral travel out of body experiences? Do ask, do ask. <laughs> um, let me see. Hmm. I don't know where I put the thing about joining. Oh, here. Let's put this on the screen. If you would like to be part of the exclusive conversation. Oh, it's not a membership. It's a recurring. Hold on. Oh, my gosh. That's not what I should have put. Sis. <clears throat> Let's see. Here. All right. So Dolphin Dream says it has to be safe, you know. It does. It has to be safe for you or like she says, you don't do it. Okay? Now, for my private, my exclusive chat with my ministry members, um, I'm going to take you guys astral. <laughs> I did this with my class. It was a very interesting experience that they had. And we were all very, very safe. Uh, if I remember correctly, there were a few people who became very aware that there are things in their space, not in their auric field, but in their space, watching, trying to get in. And I'm kind of like, but did they? And they're like, no, good, perfect. So I'm definitely going to be bringing my... <laughs> Ex exclusive chat people over into that astral realm. It's going to be a very, very interesting experience. Do you guys have any questions about astral travel at all? Is there anything that you want to share? Now, if you have questions about things that, you know, are not part of what I'm talking about, or I didn't see your question while I was live streaming, you can go to my website and you can do a Dear Emmy submission. When you go to the Dear Emmy form, you can select to either give me permission to disclose your name or screen name, whatever you want to put, or you can be anonymous. And with that, I will read your question while I'm live and I will answer it. I will answer it and hopefully it will help you and whoever else is having the same uh, struggles. So Charlie says, um, can we theoretically find ancestors or relatives during astral travel? Absolutely. You absolutely can. You just have to be careful that they are actually your ancestors or relatives. That's the only thing. You have to be very careful about that. But yeah, you can find ancestors. You can find relatives. You can find people who have been part of past lives, people um, that are important um, in previous lives and things like that. You could find all kinds of things on the astral, all sorts of things. Uh, Red says, is it possible to astral project with the eyes open? Absolutely. It becomes more of like an um, experience where you're just staring out. Yeah, you can astral project with the eyes open. Um, so here's the thing. With astral projection, you can still be functional as long as you don't go beyond a certain percentage of astral. For most people, by the time they hit about 70% astral, 
that is enough for their body to shut down, like go into a sleep state. They'll get very, very sleepy and they'll go to sleep. That's a download, right? You're going astral. Now, for me, I could be at like 95, 97% astral. I can still function. It'd be hard to talk. You guys have seen me in live streams, or I assume you've seen other live streams where I'm doing energy work for people. And if the frequency goes too high, I sit there with just like a goofy grin and I can't talk. And I'm like, I'm not integrated enough to be able to use my vocal cords. I'm still maybe about seven, uh, 97, 98% astral. I can open my eyes. I can move my body, but yeah, I'm primarily astral at that point. Until I'm able to integrate into my body enough, I won't be able to use my vocal cords. So that's what you're witnessing. I'm not stuck. I'm not like in danger or anything like that. I'm very accustomed to astral travel. Very, very accustomed to it. Um, I am very, very accustomed with bilocation. So these are things that you guys can look up by location, things like that. Maybe we can talk about that in a live stream at some point. Um, but that's why I'm not fully integrated yet, but I'm so accustomed to it that I can be awake and be sitting up and moving my body. Um, <laughs> I hope you have an amazing day at work, Teresa. All right. So here's Moonrock. Yes, yes, yes. Please go to soulworksynergistics.com and you will find the Dear Emmy form. So if you have questions, you don't want to ask it publicly, but you know something that's been weighing heavily, no matter what it is, no matter what it is. Uh, if you think of the Dear Abby column that they used to have in the newspaper, um, it's kind of like that. It's very much like that, or I will answer your question, okay? Uh, and I'll just randomly pick someone. Uh, I haven't set a schedule yet. I haven't set a schedule though. So Annie says, what science calls hypnagogue hallucination, are they actually real encounters in the... Yes. They are real encounters. Yes. So um, I don't know if you'll be able to find um, documentation or studies or whatever online, but one thing you can look up is um, audio or video recordings of that type of hallucination, hypnagogue. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if audio or video records something, either like trace elements or, um, when I say trace elements, like shapes, the outlines of something distorting the screen, uh, pixelization, things like that. It's, it gets recorded in, in, um, digital form. It, it can be recorded. Like uh, I was live recently and someone had asked or mentioned that they, you know, I think like they believe that uh, an ex or somebody did um, black magic on them and I got really upset. And then I felt something observing and kind of trying, testing my field. And I drained my energy to push it out and like literally the whole screen melted. I didn't mean for that to happen. It was an internal process that was going on, but 
if the energy is potent enough, it will be recorded externally as digital anomalies. Okay. So yeah, I, I personally believe it's a real thing. Um, let's see. Ocean lover. So for people who tend to go astral without trying to, how can they tell what is genuine from mimics? What types of things would you suggest to help them make those important distinctions? Burn it, baby. <laughs> set it on fire. Um, set it on fire. Just visualize it burning. And if any part of it melts, that's a mimic. That's a facade. That's a plastic layer. Okay. Um, with your sacred fire, it can't harm things of pure intent. It cannot harm things that are not intentionally malignant or malicious towards you. Whether you know they are malignant or malicious or not, your fire is a cleanser. And it can do that. I'm going to teach, um, I'm going to teach the, the recurring contribution folks uh, from the soul sanctuary. I'm going to teach you guys how to do that today. And again, you guys can um, sign up right here. Um, but that's a very important distinction. Um, I'll put it on the screen. You guys need to know the difference between a mimic and the real thing. All you got to do is set it on fire specific type of fire. It's a tritonal layering of frequency that has a capacity to penetrate through plastics, through, um, uh, what's it called? Synthetics. Um, does the government track when we go astral? They track your thoughts. They track everything. If you think they're not tracking, okay. <laughs> They track everything, everything. So for me personally, um, one of the things that I notice is when I go astral, there's, uh, it's in it, um, it's a pulse that clears, it booms. Um, so an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, except for me, it's not electromagnetic, etheric matter pulse, EMP. <laughs> Just like that. Like, okay. No, I won't do it publicly. <laughs> I'll show my recurring contribution folks in the private ministry area when we start our chat in about 15 minutes. I'll, I'll let you guys experience that. Um, remind me though, you know, my memory. All right. So Katie Ann, I once woke up and couldn't move, but also felt like I had a need to go back to, to where I was before I woke up. Oh, there was probably some type of, you know, potential threat, air quotes on that, potential threat that was detected. Um, sometimes a potential threat is even just a shift in the air current inside your room, you know, like uh, maybe a window is open and something kind of just shifted like that. If that can... Blah, 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 blah. It can definitely be something benign like that. Uh, anything that registers at a, as a potential threat, it'll yank you back. Um, let's see. Could we burn our higher selves? Baby boo, you could burn everything. <laughs> you literally can burn everything. You can burn your room. You can burn your crystals. You can burn everything. It's a cleanser. So, yeah. 
if your higher self is giving you information and you feel unsure, burn it. The higher selves don't mind. Michael doesn't mind. Like at all. They don't mind. You're not hurting them. The only things that do mind are things that are malignant or malicious towards you. Like they have malignant, malicious intent. They want to harm you. They want to get over on you. Those are the things that would mind. Uh, let's see. So is it like AI remote viewing on steroids? For, for which one, Sherry? Are you talking about astral travel? So um, remote viewing is a form of cognitive astral travel. It's called, the technical term is bilocation. Uh, when you astral travel, you're basically bilocating, but it's a, a larger percentage of your consciousness that's bilocating. Um, there are a lot of military studies, a lot of different types of studies regarding bilocation. Like um, if, if you've seen those videos of people, you know, remote viewing, they're trying to see locations that they've never been to before, um, see what's in an envelope that, you know, they don't know what was put in there, but they're, they're choosing the picture that's in there. That's a type of remote viewing. Ah, so is AI tracking of thoughts like AI remote viewing on steroids? Yes. Yes. So... Sherry, ask me that again in the uh, ministry area in the exclusive chat. I can't talk about it on a live stream, a public live stream. I'm not allowed to. So ask me that again, and I'll give you the answer. Unrestricted. <laughs> That's why I love the Soul Sanctuary um, private ministry area. Like we can talk about so many different things that I just, I cannot talk about it on a public live stream. Unfortunately, um, Katie says, how do I burn the bad or the negative? I'll have to look more into that. I'm actually going to teach the people during the exclusive chat in the soul sanctuary. Um, so that chat's going to be starting in about 14 minutes at this point. I, I probably should get going so I could be ready for, for that talk. If you want to join in on that moon rock, thank you for writing this. Uh, you simply go to the soul sanctuary dot love and you can select whatever recurring contribution option that works for you. Um, this is not a membership. It is a recurring contribution. So it's basically an ongoing donation to the ministry. And because it is a donation, you're not getting anything in, in exchange for your recurring donation. Um, it's tax deductible. Now, as part of the perks of being in my ministry, we can have these exclusive conversations in that private space. So if you guys would like to be part of those conversations, um, everything is recorded. So you can access conversations we've had since the Soul Sanctuary first opened. Um, there's so many different options you can choose from that include meditations, like group meditations, um, group energy work, recalibrations, 
dark matter clearing, and that's done on a regular basis. So it's really about, you know, first your budget and then your need. What do you feel you need? What type of spiritual energetic support can the ministry provide you? And that's how you choose. That's that's what I would recommend. Uh, I will see all of my private ministry folks over in our exclusive chat at 845. It's in a few minutes. Um, I already posted the announcement in our member homepage. Again, if you guys would like to join, still have time. I'll see you guys very, very soon. Please give this video a thumbs up. If you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe, turn on your notification bell, join me when I'm live. If you have questions that you want answers to, something you're struggling with and you can't talk to people in your local environment or even your circle of online friends, go to the Dear Emmy form on soulworksynergistics.com. Write me a letter. I will help you. I am more than willing, more than capable of helping you gain clarity. Now, granted, it's just my opinions that I'll be sharing. But when I'm not emotionally involved, I can have a level of clarity that can help you to see through all the disillusionment, all of the manipulation, all of the distortions that you experience because of that emotional involvement in the situation you're struggling through. This is a free thing. You don't have to pay for this. And um, this is part of a series that we will be um, starting and doing very regularly. So write in, go to Soulworks Synergistics, look for the Dear Emmy section, send me whatever you want. Uh, questions, whatever it is. Okay. I got to get going. I hope you guys have an amazing, amazing rest of your day. Bye everyone. Mm -hmm.